0: Francis Schaeffer was born to German immigrants in Germantown, Pennsylvania in the early 1900s. Francis Schaeffer made a tremendous impact upon Christianity in America. In fact, many of you probably have seen his videos or read his books or heard of him, some of the things that he has said. He was a pastor, he was a theologian, he was an apologist. In fact, his method known as the presuppositional approach to Christian apologetics is is an approach where you take the answers to a few theological questions and that can solve the issues of our day. Francis Schaeffer was so good at that. But a number of years ago, he said something that I thought was interesting. Francis Schaeffer said, if things don't change soon in America, one day we're going to look up and find that the America we once knew is gone he's right and that is exactly what happened to the Israelites in the days of Daniel Israel reinterpreted God's laws they ignored his word they no longer emphasized obedience anymore And they looked up, and the nation that they loved so dearly, and the nation they once knew, was gone. Babylon had invaded as God's punishment. Babylon had destroyed their nation. Everything they held dear was gone by Babylon. And Israel became captive to another culture. And in America, we have become captive To another culture we're going through a sermon series entitled the ancient of days it's the book of Daniel we're looking at one chapter of Daniel per Sunday and you remember the first six chapters of Daniel were different it was a historical account of of four Hebrew teenagers captured out of Jerusalem Shadrach Meshach Abednego and Daniel Taken as teenagers out of Babylon or rather out of Jerusalem taken to Babylon to a culture that was foreign than their own but they did not compromise their faith and God empowered those young teenagers and then starting in chapter 7 Daniel himself begins to have dreams and to have visions and and 7 through 12 one dream or one vision after another We we saw the last two Sundays on Easter Sunday, chapter 7, he had a vision of four beasts rising up out of the sea and showing about the dominion of the resurrected Christ. Then last Sunday in chapter 8, we saw a a ram who who marched through destroying everything and a flying goat came in and destroyed the ram showing that history, God would use the Greeks and the Roman Empire and then eventually Jesus Christ would be Lord now we reach chapter 9 of Daniel. And now because of the terrifying events of the end times, Daniel hit his knees in prayer and poured out his heart to God. And God responded to him, gave him another vision. And that's what we're going to look at in chapter 9. Read with me a portion of it starting in verse 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he made me understand, speaking with me, and he said, "Oh Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved." Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. There are three great prayers in chapters 9. Chapter 9 of Daniel, great prayer. Chapter 9 of Ezra, great prayer. Chapter 9 of Nehemiah, powerful prayer. I want us to look at the first of these, the prayer of Daniel in chapter 9. Read with me letter A first of all verses 1 through 19 Daniel's prayer now in the very first year that Babylon invaded Israel rather uh, that took after they'd taken over from Israel the very first year Babylon then got invaded by Persia themselves under King Darius Daniel is there and he said I was reading my Bible One day, I'm reading my Bible, and something dawned on me. Now, hold up for a second. Daniel reading his Bible? I I thought Daniel was writing the Bible. Did they have portions of the Bible in Daniel's day? Yes. They had the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, but they also had the writings of some of the prophets. And so he's reading Jeremiah. And he's reading along there, and he reaches the part where he's talking about, Jeremiah's talking about the 70 weeks and the desolation that's going to come and the end times and how people are not ready for it. And Daniel stops, puts the Bible down and says, Oh God, my people aren't ready for this. They're not ready for the end times, God. These Israelites—they—they've—they've they've failed you, and they're walking in ways that are contrary to what you've said. And oh dear God, they're not ready for the end. And the Bible said that Daniel tore his clothes, a sign of a grief, and he put on sackcloth as a sign of grief and he poured ashes on top of his head that was a sign of grief and his knees at the floor and he began to pray and said, oh dear God, I need to talk to you. Now hold on a second. Daniel was reading his Bible, interpreted what it meant for his day and begin to pray about it that's the kind of people we need we need leaders we need national leaders we need a president we need church leaders we need all of us who will take god's word at, at what is, is happening interpret the times for our day and hit our knees in prayer it's exactly what we need if you remember in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 the Bible tells us about the sons of Issachar you remember that? The sons of Issachar were, were people who interpreted the times of their days so they would know what to do. They had the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand and they knew what to do what we need in fact Spurgeon said oh for more Daniels Who study God's Word look at what it means and hit their knees in prayer so Daniel hit his knees and much of chapter 9 is recording what he prayed for now there was only one aspect of prayer primarily that he prayed for and that was confession of sin What you notice in Daniel's prayer in chapter 9 is he really didn't ask for very much. He didn't ask God to do very much. But he confessed sin. A long time. You see, we, we do the opposite. We ask God for a lot, but we don't confess sin very much. Daniel confessed sin a lot and didn't ask God for very much when is the last time you hit your knees and you didn't ask God for anything You just confessed your sin When's the last time you did that? So Daniel read the Bible said my people aren't living like this Lord got on his knees and I as he I'm gonna read through his prayer And as I do, I want you to pull the connection, draw the parallel between our day and Daniel's day. God on his knees and first of all praised, oh Lord God, you are awesome. God, you are majestic. You are, you are a God who gives us rules and laws and expects us to go by them. God, you're majestic. You are steadfast love. You keep covenants, and we don't. And now, God, we have sinned God we have done wrong God we have acted wickedly What would it take for Americans to call an action wicked We don't call very much wicked I can't think of the word even used in our culture. You God, we are we're a wicked people. God, we have rebelled against you. What would it take in America for us to say we've rebelled against God? What actions are considered today rebellion against God? What beliefs that people hold in our culture today are considered rebellion against God? We never hear that phrase. Oh dear God, we're wicked. Lord, you have given us rules and laws and commandments. And we've ignored them. What would it take for Americans to admit God has given us rules, commands, and we've ignored them? Dear God, you've spoken, Daniel said. You've spoken. We didn't listen. God, you spoke to our kings. They didn't listen. God, you spoke to our fathers. They didn't listen. God, you spoke to our leaders. They didn't listen. God, you've spoken to us. We are ignoring you. What would it take? For us to say, God, you've spoken to our president, you've spoken to Congress, you've spoken to our leaders, you've cho- spoken to our churches, and we have ignored what you've said. We had not listen to you. Could we admit that? Daniel said, Lord, to you, to you belongs righteousness, and to us belongs shame. What shames us today? Anything? M- maybe child molesters, maybe. Maybe trafficking. That's about it we are a nation who has forgotten how to blush nothing embarrasses us nothing makes us shameful but daniel said god we are a people of shame Oh Lord, shame belongs to our kings. Shame belongs to our fathers. Shame belongs to our leaders. Shame belongs to me. And Lord, you've given us laws, you've given us rules. We have taken them and thrown them away. Set them aside. I don't want to hear your voice, we said. And we've done the same. God's word, put it over there. I want to listen. Daniel continued. God, as a result of taking your word and putting it far away, your curses have come upon us as a people. God, you you told Moses in the law, you you said, if you do not listen to my word, there will be curses. If you follow my commands, there will be blessings. And oh dear God, we've taken your word and put it far away, and now those curses are here. Folks, do you think our culture believes that we're cursed? No. Do you believe that our our culture, do you believe our our society believes we've set aside God's rules and because of that, we're cursed? No. Several years ago, I I was preaching from the Old Testament about God's blessings and curses, and I talked about how those can come upon us for not obeying His Word, and oh my goodness, I was... I was crucified on social media. Does the pastor at First Baptist Church of Garland not know we don't have curses anymore? We're under grace. We're under the New Testament. We're not under Old Testament law. We don't have curses anymore. We have blessings from God. Not if you're disobedient, you don't. Not if I'm disobedient, I don't. God never, ever, New Testament, Old Testament, you find me a place God ever took a people who were disobedient, and I'm blessing you for it. Never. He still doesn't. And then Daniel said, Oh God, we have failed to gain insight from you. You tried. You tried, God. We have failed to gain insight. And truth. And folks, for 15 verses, 15 verses, Daniel continues to confess sin without asking for one thing. Nothing but confessing what they've become. Oh, for a day we would get on our knees and say, God, I'm not asking for one thing, confessing what I've become and who we've become. And finally, verse 15, he asked for something. But not until all of his sins are thoroughly confessed, he finally asked for something. Lord, I want to ask one thing. Would you take the anger and would you turn your face away? May the anger leave, and may your favor shine on us again. And I wonder if we could pray, Lord, we confess. Take your anger away, and may your countenance shine upon us again. Now listen to what Daniel prayed next. Lord, would you turn your anger away? Would you, would you shine upon us? Because we have become a byword among the nations. What does that mean? What's a byword? It's the word in Hebrew, herpa. H-E-R-P-A. Herpa. It's interpreted reproach. It's interpreted byword. It's interpreted many different things. But I know what you're thinking. Herpa. Yes, it also referred to sexual disgrace. We have become the herpes of land exact same word that's used in Genesis 24 when Dinah was raped Pretty powerful and Lord we become a byword in our day Christians oh yeah oh you evangelicals aren't you a lot aren't you something and in many sections of our culture, evangelical Christians have become a byword. And Daniel said, Now, Lord, listen. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, Attention, and Lord, act, and that's all He asks for. Did, did you notice He didn't tell God what to do? We do when our prayers. Oh, oh we do now, Lord. I, what, oh, God, would you would you help me with this job, Lord? Now here's what I want. I want you to do A, B, C, D. Daniel didn't, pray, Daniel didn't say, here's what I want you to do. All he said was, God, here's who we are. Would you listen? Would you forgive? Would you just do something? That's all he asked for. Because God, you're merciful. God, would you bend down and hear me? listen and while he was praying something interesting happened go to letter B on your outline Gabriel's answer verses 20 to 23 while he's praying he's interrupted a man shows up Daniel's praying in the middle of his prayer a man shows up and he looks and he thought hey I I know you I recognize you. You were in chapter 8. I recognize you. You're you're the man in the vision I had in chapter 8. You're Gabriel the angel. He said, yes, I am. And I've been sent to tell you. I've been sent to give you another vision and give you insight and understanding as to what's going on. And Daniel said, Gabriel came at the time of the evening sacrifice to speak with me. Now, time out. I have three thoughts. First thought is, did you notice that Daniel's prayer, it is recorded twice as much as the answer is recorded. The answer is recorded in about three verses. He prayed for 16. So so God is is maybe telling us that it's maybe the the process that's as important as the product. Maybe God, just as much as God giving you what you're praying for, He wants you to go through the process of communicating with Him and praying with Him that, that twice as much, more than twice as much was devoted to the prayer itself than to the answer. Here's the second thought. The time of the evening sacrifice. Daniel tells us, Gabriel the angel showed up at the time of the evening sacrifice. Now hold on. The evening sacrifice has not been taking place for years. Jerusalem's in, 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 in rumbles. It's just, it's, it's, in a, it's a shadow of what it was. Evening sacrifice, that meant Daniel in Babylon is still keeping the evening sacrifices. His heart is still an altar, even though the temple's not there. Evening sacrifice, what time does that start? Three in the afternoon. What else happened at three in the afternoon? Ah, Jesus died at 3 p.m., the time of the evening sacrifice. And notice something else. Daniel didn't get to finish his prayer. God interrupted him. Did you notice he said, while I was speaking, while I was speaking, Gabriel showed up. His prayer wasn't done. God was so anxious to answer his prayer, he cut him off. Mid-prayer. With the answer. Wow. Gabriel said this, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. Now listen carefully what Gabriel said. Fascinating. He said, Daniel, as soon as you got down on your knees and as soon as you began your prayer, a word went out through heaven and I was summoned. And I was told to come to you. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here's what happened. As soon as Daniel got on his knees and with a very first heartfelt, Oh God, I have sinned. And we are, we're wicked. As soon as he said that, God calls out through heaven. A word went out Gabriel, come here. Go to Daniel. I've already heard him. That's all it took. When you first started praying, the angel said, when you first started praying, a word went out, I was summoned and I was sent to you. My goodness, you mean at the very moment you with a heartfelt prayer look up and say, oh God, I've rebelled against you, I've done wrong, I'm wicked, he goes, that's what I've been waiting for, you to confess. Gabriel said I've been sent to uh, tell you what's up Because Daniel you are greatly loved Does all of heaven know Daniel's love I guess so Gabriel knew it And here was the message letter C on your outline of 70 weeks verses 24 to 27 God gave Daniel another vision. After his prayer, the angel showed him what was going to happen at the end times. Daniel, there are going to be 70 weeks that are set before things are made right in Jerusalem. You were reading about it in Jeremiah earlier. Seventy weeks before things will confirm what the prophets have said and where everlasting righteousness comes. Now the word week in Hebrew, W-E-E-K Shabayim, it also means seven. So it literally could be 70 sevens. So 70 sevens are going to happen, sets of seven. So from the time God's word goes out, here's what's going to happen. There will be a coming of anointed prince for seven weeks. Then for the next 62 weeks, Jerusalem's going to be restored. But it's going to be a hard time. There are going to be people cut off and destroyed and war and flood and desolations. And God's house is going to be in ruins. And then there will be one week left and there will be a strong covenant made. But halfway through that week, the offerings are going to end. The sacrifices are going to end. And the abomination's going to come. Oh my goodness, hold on a second. I'm confused. What is he talking about? Well, go back for a second. Do you remember last Sunday? Do you remember last Sunday whenever Antiochus Epiphanes rose up in power in the Greek Empire and went to Jerusalem and overthrew the Holy of Holies and God's presence and place and defiled it and he became the abomination of desolation and he ended sacrifices and he ended the offerings of the Jews. you remember all that? That's what he's talking about. And then he said, 70 times 7 sets, that's 490 sets. Robert Anderson in a book called The Coming Prince talks about this and really gives us good insight. He says our calendar is based on 365 days in a year. Actually 365.25 days in a year. Every fourth year there's a leap year. Well the ancient calendar rather than 365 days is 360 days. The few last days, occasionally they would add a 13th month. But for the most part, it was different. So if you look at what he said, 69 of the 70 weeks times the seven sets gets you 483 years. Now, what happened 483 years after Daniel's prayer? 483 years after Daniel's prayer? Jesus' birth? No. Jesus' baptism, no. Jesus' death, no. 483 years, almost to the day, was Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The donkey, Hosanna. The king is here. What Jeremiah had looked forward to, what Daniel had looked forward to, the king's here. And then... One week later, he died. He rose again. He ascended to heaven 40 days later. And beginning right there, the end times begin. Tribulation comes the very end. So here's a summary. Take all the chapter in its entirety. You have an unrepentant culture that needs to confess their sins, but they don't because they put the Word of God far from them. And God puts history into motion in which the end starts. In times of tribulation, Jesus returns and people aren't ready for it. And the end comes. And that's chapter 9. Folks, that's our day. We've put the Word of God far from us. We've not listened. We've ignored confession. We don't call things sin anymore. And in the midst of those days, things are put into motion. And the end comes. People aren't ready. And you know, I would venture to guess some of you here If Jesus were to come back today, you're not ready. Those some of you online, you're not ready. Every Sunday, I always end the sermon by saying, we have a minister standing right here. If you'll come up here and give your life to Christ, but you don't hear me because you're getting ready to go. So you're not ready. Every week. And no matter, Daniel said how often I speak, they don't listen they're unprepared and the end comes Russell Doughton graduated from Drake University in the late 40s he was a drama major he enrolled in the graduate school in the Ivy League and Ivy League University after that took an Old Testament class Russell Doughton was a strong believer in Jesus Took an, an Old Testament class at this Ivy League school. First day of class, the professor says, Now, I want you to know the Bible really isn't true. It's an allegory. It's just a story. Well, there's some good points, but a story it didn't happen historically. And he made fun of those who believed that it, it did happen historically. And Russell doubted and it bothered him. Class was laughing, and he was bothered. And he thought, I'm going to set out to prove it is true. And he started with prophecy. He said, 28% of the Bible I discovered is prophecy. And the prophecies that should come true by now have already come true. Every single one of 100%. And there are others that will come true. And the chapter he studied the most was Daniel chapter 9. The 70 weeks... To a culture who says it's not true he graduated with a master's degree went into the Christian industry Christian movie industry and for the next 50 years his career was making movies uh, those of you who remember the old 1950s movie the blob yeah he wrote that one But mostly Christian movies, Russell Doughton. Before his death in 2013, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award. But here's what's interesting. Of all the movies Russell Doughton made, the one he's probably the most famous for is a 1972 movie. A lot of churches showed in their movie actually in their worship services called A Thief in the Night. And in this movie, A Thief in the Night, there was a song that premiered by Larry Norman entitled, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And he got it from Daniel chapter 9. Some of you remember the song. You saw the movie. Life was filled with guns and wars and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died. The days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. A movie, a song inspired because a man started looking at the culture and looking at Scripture and read Daniel 9 and realized Jesus is going to come back at a time when people aren't ready. I hope you are. God, thank you today for your word. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us through the passage this morning. Forgive us of where we've taken your word and put it far from us. God, I pray today for those who are here who are not ready. Maybe they didn't even listen to the sermon today. God, I I pray for them. I pray that this would be the day they would repent of sins and turn their lives over to you. Father, it is my prayer that you would help us to call wickedness wicked, call sin sin, call shame shame. And oh God, as we do, would you hear from heaven? Would you have your countenance to shine upon us? And may your name be praised. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen.